your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 228 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And following the NHL season opener here in Toronto, we had Kyle Bukoskis on. He was the ringside reporter for that. He's been on Hockey Night in Canada for years. Since he was 22, we get into that story and a whole lot more with him, including when he thinks Tim Stutzla could get his first Hockey Night towel. We also get into the first full practice of Ottawa Senators before they begin their season tomorrow. And then we finish up with two on our organizational value rankings. It's number four and number three. We've been counting down since 64 and we're in to the top five. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, January 14th, and Pillsy, the Senators' headshots are out. Under the sea, under the sea, darling, it's bitter, down where it's winter, take it from me. I feel like that's the song that should have been playing for these fish Islands photos, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> he did them so dirty. I don't okay here's the here's the thing like it's it's cool to try new things but like I don't understand how you're gone through like 25 photos and no one has mentioned hey maybe the, like these look a little weird like all like the other teams yeah all the other teams don't do this no one does this for you know get the hats off for trying something different but maybe maybe do that for like a fun social media thing not for their official headshots like is this what they're gonna look like on NHL <laughs> 21 when the player uh, headshots get updated I don't know and that's not even mentioning that Colin White looks like Marv from Home Alone with the quarantine hair. Like some of these are are tough, but hey, you know what the beauty is? When the headshots come out, it means that NHL hockey is on deck. And Ottawa, we know had to wait two extra days, but the puck dropped last night. Pilsy, what was your main takeaway from the first night of 116 straight days with NHL hockey? What was my main takeaway? I love hockey. That was my main takeaway. Your Pilsy's parlay of the day very nearly hit. It was one goal away. Yeah, I mean, the the Flyers money line, or sorry, the Flyers puck line, that hit a three-goal lead, and I was one goal away, the over at six and a half, and they scored six. So, hey, keep following along Pilsy's parlay of the day. Hopefully, I get a couple winners here. I think, actually, the parlay I did the day before, that did hit. I think I said Tampa Bay puck line and then Vancouver money line. So, Keep listening. I think if I can get half of my parlays to hit, I'll be pretty happy about that. 50% on parlays would make... Not half bad. Yeah, you might even quit the podcast and be making so much money. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, you know to go to bet online whenever you want to make your wagers and follow along with Pilsy's parlay of the day. I don't know who would have bet that Colin White was on the outside looking in. The players are trickling out for practice as we're recording just after 10.30 here on Thursday. And he looks to be on a line with Alex Galchenyuk and Michael Haley. That 
does not compute for me as a guy who is going to be in the opening light, night lineup. That is a problem. Yeah, when you're Colin White, you do not want to be in a gray jersey night before you're playing the Leafs in your opening lineup at home. That's tough. And also, I mean, not on a not on a similar scale, but it's a little bit of an eye raiser to see Galchenyuk down there as well. I mean, good good for Haley getting on the fifth line. No, we'll give him props there. Off the taxi squad for Michael Haley. But I think Galchenyuk's probably the right guy to sit, especially against Toronto. Like, you want to set the tone physically in this opening game. And who's he going to replace? I would rather Paul and Paquette as my third and fourth line left wingers in this situation. And we know that Kachuk and Stutzla are the other two. So to me, this is a situation where Galchenyuk, no problem, sit. But when Artem Anisimov is ahead of you on the depth chart and you're a 23-year-old first-round pick who just signed a six-year contract, you're going into the second season of it, you need to look in the mirror and say, what do I need to do better to get into the lineup and get higher up in the lineup? This is not a situation that can continue throughout the season. Nobody on either side, Colin White's camp or Ottawa's side, can afford to have him on the outside looking in. Yeah, and hopefully when he's looking in the mirror, he's not seeing the fisheye lens uh, profile picture. He can get a clearer view of himself. But yeah, this is not good for Colin White. And look, we, we've we said it. Like, he needs to, we all, I think, need to change our perspective of him and kind of mold him into a different role of a checking two-way center. But to do that, you, you need to be elite defensively if you're not going to put up the points. And I guess from what DJ Smith's seeing, he's not doing that. And we know DJ Smith is a high compete level guy. So obviously that means Colin White maybe not showing up uh, fully at camp either. But we are a week past when it was on the front page of the Ottawa Sun, Colin White turning heads at training camp. Is that just kind of smoke and mirrors? What what can change in that week? And I know it's easier to ask the question than to get a proper answer, especially when media haven't been able to analyze for themselves in the arena. But man, what a fall from grace. Yeah, it's tough. But look, let's let's not get all doom and gloom yet. Like the season hasn't started. There's lots of time. It's going to be a grind of a season. There's going to be rotating lines, rotating roster spots. So I, I think we're going to see a bounce back season from Colin White, how long it's going to take and in what form it's going to be. That's where the question lies. My main takeaway here, Pilsy, is that it's not a great week if you're a centerman with the last name of a color. First, Logan Brown gets sent down and then Colin White skating on the fifth line the day before the season starts. Speaking of Browns, Connor Brown celebrating his 27th birthday this year. So happy birthday. And also a new nickname alert from yesterday's birthday, Austin Watson, one unreal post on Instagram with his daughter. It's precious. It's, it's a great caption as well, saying that the three musketeers gave him a cake and it was Brady Kachuk. It was Josh Norris and Tim Stutzla. However, Pilsy, they nicknamed the cake Iceman. So is it Iceman Watson? I was looking to see if there was a Steve Austin reference, you know, Austin Watson playing off of that. Couldn't find one in particular. The investigative work must continue, though. We need to know how Watson became the Iceman. But we are absolutely hopping on that bandwagon. 
Yeah, the Iceman. I like it. Maybe maybe something along the lines like he's got ice in his veins, something like that. That's uh, that's probably what they're going for. You know what I wish? And I'm sure I'm sure the cake was probably ordered from a nice bakery. But how hilarious would it have been if we got like a GoPro video of Stutzla, Brady and Norris baking that cake <laughs> for Austin Watson? I would have loved to see that. That's the kind of content we need here. Maybe we should text Timmy and say, uh, what was the recipe? Here's what he would say. Step one, order it online. Step two, pick it up. Step three, drop it off for Austin. And you know, with Timmy Stutzel and Josh Norris, that had to be a German chocolate cake, a great built Bar flavor. Absolutely. And maybe Timmy just looking for some, you know, I did this for you. And now tomorrow you do it for me as he turns 19 and he's still skating with Derek Stepan and Evgeny Dadanov, Bruce Garriock. And we do mention Bruce Garriock's name on this show again. We've been unblocked and stay tuned. Bruce will be on this show coming up in the next week or so. And he just tweeted out the lines of practice, no changes. So I mentioned the Stutzel line. Then you still have Norris between Kachuk and Batherson, Tierney between Nick Paul and Connor Brown. And then the fourth line, Artem Anisimov, Cedric Paquette, and the Iceman. So no surprises. Defensive pairs stay the same as well. And we've already broken this all down. So go back, listen to the other episodes this week of the Locked On Senators podcast. Great guests as well. Dean Brown Monday, Gord Wilson Tuesday, Jamie McLennan on Thursday. And now today we have Kyle Bukoskis. It's a great chat with him. Pilsy. I know we mentioned this and we're going to talk about it after, but this guy wakes up with maybe the best hair in the world, at least in the broadcasting industry. Oh, yeah. He, he is pristine and polished. And it was great to get Kyle Bukowskis on the show. I mean, it's a long time coming, honestly. So uh, and we're going to have him back on for sure once we get a little more Sens action, because it's going to be really interesting to see how he does his job this year with uh, the, all the different curveballs the pandemic throws at you. He was broadcasting as the rinkside reporter in Toronto's debut last night. However, rinkside, you could put an asterisk because he was upstairs, but he gets into that and a whole lot more. And if I had to bet, this guy has never had a bad hair day. And if I was able to, I would go to betonline.ag and make that wager because the NHL is well underway. Pilsy's parlay of the day was so close to hitting, but we know that he is going to rebound today however if you prefer to bet on nfl football those playoffs are well underway as well and it is just a great time to get your beak wet and if you don't know much about sports betting well one you can dm us at send central we're happy to explain how things work and two you can go to betonline.ag and you can put in the promo code locked on that promo code will get you a 50 percent welcome bonus and that in itself is like winning your first few bets because if you put in $100, that's $50 free right into your account. You put in $200, that's $100 free and so on and so forth. It's such a great deal at betonline.ag. We don't want you to sit on the sidelines anymore, but to help you get into the action, Pilsy, your parlay of the day. All right, guys, I'm going to try to come through for you here. I was so close last night, so... My parlay of the day, I'm banking on two solid teams going up against two weak teams who haven't played in a while. So first part of the parlay, Boston Bruins puck line minus one and a half at plus 150 odds against the New Jersey Devils. 
Corey Crawford retiring, that's a tough blow to that team. I think uh, the Bruins are going to come out hot with something to prove after losing Tory Krug and their longtime captain, Big Z. So look for a big game from the Bruins there. Second part of my parlay, Carolina Hurricanes, puck line, minus one and a half at plus 130 odds against the Detroit Red Wings. Look, the Detroit Red Wings made a couple moves in the offseason, but not enough to really boost them that much. And We'll see if new captain Dylan Larkin get things going, but I think Carolina comes out with a bang. So the parlay is Boston Bruins puck line, Carolina Hurricanes puck line. If you bet 10 bucks, you'll win 47.50. So get on that Pillsy's parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now here's our chat with Sportsnet's Kyle Bukoskis. All right, we now welcome a very special guest. We're hearing his nickname is The Natural. At least that's what we're going to call him because he makes it look so easy. He's been on Hockey Night in Canada on your television sets. It's Kyle Bukoskis. Welcome to Locked On Senators. How are you doing today, Kyle? Doing great, boys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a real treat. We're going to talk some sends. I know you've been in Ottawa covering the training camp, albeit from afar, but last night it was the return of NHL hockey for the 2021 season. Take us through the atmosphere. I know you're doing your typical rinkside duties from upstairs. That must have been a bit different, but the quality of play on the ice, could you notice that it was in an empty building? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the atmosphere, you know, for lack of a better word, there wasn't any. Um, but you know what? The, the gameplay was good. Obviously, there's there's going to be some sloppiness, right? The teams have been playing just against each other over the last 10 days of, of camp, right? Didn't have anybody else to go up against. No exhibition. Um, so certainly structure-wise, habits, all of that's going to take a little bit more time. And, you know, the fact that they weren't jumping right back into playoffs like we saw in the summertime, there isn't quite the same urgency, of course, um, as there was back then. So, uh, but it was it was thrilling, right? It's great for fans. You look at the game last night, you know, a two-goal lead evaporates in the second, another lead goes away in, in the third for Montreal, and we end up getting a, a winner in overtime and a, a 5-4 final score. So there's there's a lot to be excited about and watching a bit of that late game. I mean, geez, Connor McDavid could have had about eight or nine points, it felt like, and it just didn't go in for him. But you know that's not going to be the case every night. This Canadian division, there's a lot of superstars uh, across the board, there's a lot of talent, and, and I think because of that, I think we're going to be very entertained here on, on a lot of nights here over the course of the 115, 116-day season. Oh, yeah, I count on being entertained, that's for sure. It's been a long time coming for the NHL regular season. Now, I want to stick on the atmosphere in the first game here. Tell us about what it was like when you mentioned it. The Leafs are down two goals, and then Wayne Simmons gets in that fight. And normally you would do that at a home game to get the crowd going, but this was a a direct message to the bench. Like he immediately after the fight looked to the bench and did the arms up uh, trying to get things going. And sure enough, that turned things around. Do you think those kind of uh, those kind of plays, those kind of things that impact atmosphere and momentum are still going to have that same effect despite? not 20,000 screaming Leafs fans in the crowd? I think to an extent, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still in the same boat that the, the jury's still out on, you know, how much of an impact a, a fight in, in that moment really has just because I'm, I haven't been in that situation, right? I haven't played in the NHL. I really don't know what, what that feels like, but 
Um, you know, it was clear in talking to and listening to the Leaf players after the game, you know, there was at least a, a little bit of a jolt that, that came from it because I thought, you know, five on five, the Canadians were taking it to him pretty good at that point. And even Wayne Simmons um, made the point afterwards, you know, he thanked Ben Sherrod for, for the scrap at that time, mainly just for him because he hadn't played, you know, and as long as, as the Senators hadn't, right, playing uh, in New Jersey and then Buffalo last season it had been a long time coming for him. So he just wanted to get into things again. And, and for him, helping do that is sometimes to, to get the gloves off. So um, clearly, you know, the fighting still has a place in, in the game, not as, as, as current as, um, as it was once before. Um, but, you know, you can tell that, that you know, the, the team felt some, some juice from it. And so, you know, it helped that, that they went on a power play not long after that and scored and then had nearly two minutes of five on three time to, to tie it up. That, of course, had nothing to do with, with the fighting of itself. But, um, you know, maybe they got their legs going a little bit there. And, um, you know, obviously you don't have the same roar of the crowd after a moment like that. But um, just from the stick taps on, on the bench and, and the chatter that came from it, you know, there is something to be said that in certain points of a game, you know, you know a, a scrap like that, there's, there's still some impact, I think, for a team that needs it. So when you're in Campbell River playing AAA, you weren't scrapping? Because, I mean, you have an elite prospects page, but I can't find any PIM stats. Yeah, I know. And if there, there was, there really wasn't any fighting when you had bird cages on, it was a little tougher to do. Um, but if there was a way to do it, I certainly wouldn't be the one to be signing up for that. Uh, that, was, that was not my game. So you won't be finding any videos or anything like that of me doing that. Well, that was back uh, even before you got into broadcasting. And then from what I'm seeing, you jumped straight from broadcasting school in Alberta right into Rogers. How old were you when you did your first Hockey Night in Canada broadcast? Uh, Hockey Night, I was, well, let's see, I think 22, 23. Um, Yeah, October 14th, October 15th, I believe, actually. Uh, 2016. So yeah, I would have been 23 years old. But the playoffs beforehand, I was covering the penguins rangers series and we, we didn't do the full broadcast uh, of that uh, us us matchup um, but i did do a hit just kind of into the the top of the show there on hockey night um, so i don't know if i'd call that my official hockey you know first hockey night broadcast but it was my first appearance on on the program there um, so so that was it for me yeah and i, I started at uh, at rogers shortly after i turned 20 i was still 19 when i initially flew out to toronto to interview and, and audition with sportsnet um, yeah, I just, I was, I was really lucky that, you know, things kind of fell um, in a very favorable way for me and, and something that was completely unexpected that I was able to get such a great opportunity like that so early on in, in my life and career. Yeah, I mean, probably well earned as well. It's like Ross said off the top, it seems like you're such a natural. So to have you come in at a young age doesn't surprise me. I think the, the saying goes, it's official once you get that hockey night in Canada towel, right? So when was your first towel or how and how many towels have you snuck off set to uh, get for family and friends? That must be a hot commodity. I feel like there's got to be some of your friends that are at beer league and then they throw on the towel after and they feel like they're in the show. So yeah, I, I got to tell you guys, I mean, that is, it, it is a sacred, sacred gift, the hockey night towel, right? And, and those things are not thrown around in, in that way. So um, certainly I, I haven't been one to ask for them and I don't try to steal them. I, I understand the prestige that comes along with it. Um, I will say the first one I got, you know, my first year doing games on a regular basis, the 16, 17 season, I moved to Montreal and, and covered the Canadians and worked on their regional show. And with that, you know, got a number of, of national games as well. And there was a Saturday night, I think in March, the senators were in town there and I interviewed Carrie Price after the game. So we put the towel on and we do the interview and uh, we finish and he goes to walk back down the hall and he turns and takes the towel off and kind of looks at me and, and toss it at me because I'm sure that was towel number 167 for him at that point of his career. So 
Um, that was just a, a really, really neat moment. And I, I thanked him afterwards. I'm sure it was nothing off his back. He didn't think twice of it, but, but that was, was really meaningful. And it's funny. I had uh, a second cousin, I believe. Um, anyway, this, this young girl who lives out in, in the West coast who uh, idolizes Carrie Price and, uh, and, you know, just is, is she plays goalie growing up uh, out on the mainland there. And um, so I ended up sending the, the towel out to, to her because I figured, you know, that's, that's a much cooler gift, you know, than, than anything that, that I would keep. I think it would be much more impactful for, for her to have it. So hopefully she'll, she still got it. And uh, so, yeah, that was the, the first one. And actually the outdoor game in, in Ottawa. I don't know if you guys were there. I was in, there. In 2017. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I interviewed Pajot on the ice there after the game. And same thing. I mean, he didn't have much use for the towel. So he flipped it back to me. And I gave that one to my mom and dad. So that's where that one sits. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Pedro probably still had his initial one from the 2013 playoffs. You got to think right. that hat trick as a 20-year-old earned him one. Now, that's a perfect transition into the Senators. And you're talking about giving towels to your, your family. Well, my son, Timmy Superstar, how long is it going to be until he gets his first Hockey Night Canada towel? Well, it's just a different time right now, right? It's it's we're not able to to do the same oh, true. things as, as we used to. So I don't, I don't know what we're gonna what it's gonna look like for the towels. That may be on hiatus for a little while because yeah, I don't know if you saw the broadcast last night. Like the plan right now for for television interviews, whether it's between periods, pregame or after, um, the players just right on the bench. They come off the ice, take the helmet off, throw the headset on. I'm up in my position somewhere up above in the arena, and we kind of have what's called you know in boxes the two of us there on camera at once. And, and that's, that's how the interview is done. You know, there's no TV crew around the player because of course, all the protocols that are in place. So even to have someone there to put the towel around their neck, um, I don't know if it's just an option right now. So we may have to wait a little while before Stutzla gets, uh, gets a towel, but certainly I think he'll be well-deserving of one before too long. Yeah. Speaking of Timmy Stutzla, what's, what's your idea and what's kind of your expectation from him? I mean, he had a massive coming out party in the world juniors getting best forward in the entire tournament. How's, how's he been looking to, for you so far on the ice uh, chemistry with teammates? I mean, I know you're still far away, but uh, you've got closer access than most of us do. So what have you noticed and kind of what's your feeling on how he's going to do this season? Well, full disclosure, I mean, as you know, for the larger parts of training camp, you know, we didn't have access to the, the Canadian Tire Centre just because of the, the health restrictions. But when they opened it up to media for the scrimmage on Monday night, that was the night I, I drove here to Toronto in preparation for the game on Wednesday night. So I didn't even get to see that. I, I caught the, the videos that were, um, you know, making their way around social media and, and tried to see what I could from there. But I haven't got a great sense, at least from him at, at training camp, but by all indications, of course, watching him quite closely at the World Juniors and um, some stuff before that. I mean, I just think the the sky's the limit. I know that's can be an often overused term, but but for him, it just doesn't seem like there's anything he won't be able to handle. Now, of course, you know, DJ's gonna not give him too much too soon. I imagine he'll try to shelter him and and you know load him up with as many offensive zone starts as as he possibly can. But um, as the way things are structured right now, having Derek Stepan as his center and someone he can lean on, and you know, a pure shooter and Evgeny Dadanov on the other side that um, he can certainly use his playmaking skills to help set up. I think this is just a, a really, really neat opportunity for him to get started. And I love the fact that he's living with Josh Norris and Brady Kachuk to, to start his career. I mean, could you imagine to be a fly on the wall, to have a GoPro set up in the house there, how much fun those guys are going to be having this year. It's just, I think it's a great environment for him to, to walk into. He's clearly got the talent, the confidence. I love, I don't know if you guys saw the documentary that, uh, that German we, we had him company. on Tim joined the show right after we, we had Timmy on. Well, there you go. So yeah. I, I love the fact coming out of that. Um, watching that documentary, you know, the one line, I think it was his mom that said that, you know, his motto, you know, no risk, no fun. So yep. I think that's, that's how he's going to play his, his rookie year. Um, 
maybe there, there's going to be some growing pains along the way, no question. Um, but for somebody who, you know, already is a pretty solid man, young man, that's only going to grow into his body more and become more stronger, more confident as he goes along. Uh, this he's got the potential to be one of the most thrilling, exciting players that this franchise has ever seen. And they've seen a few of them over the years, as you guys know. Yeah, easily the most anticipated prospect since Jason Spezza. And unlike Spez, I don't think that he's going to be sent down to the minors for his defensive play. And you gave me PTSD, by the way, there, Kyle, because I watched that Stutzla documentary without knowing that I could get the subtitle. So I watched it entirely in German. <laughs> and then when Pilsy told me, I had to go back and re-watch it. But I want to touch on not only the fact that he's living with Josh Norris and Brady Kachuk, but... I think people are underestimating what Josh Norris can do at this level. Now, Pilsy and I worked in Belleville the last couple of years in the production team. So we got to see, at least last year, his growth was tremendous throughout his rookie season, being a shoot first center. And I think that him and Drake Batherson, their games complement each other so well. Drake being the, the disher and, and Norris just getting pucks on net. And how do you think Brady will complement that line? Just being able to drive to the net. And how much do you think he's ready to explode? Because I know with his brother, Matthew, that third season – was where he really took a leap offensively. Do you see something similar for Brady? Yeah, I mean, obviously they're a little bit different players in terms of where they do most of their damage, but I can see it for sure. I just thought, you know, Brady was a guy that came into the league right away, uh, wasn't afraid. Certainly it helps in the, the family and, and environment that, that he grew up in. But, you know, he knew early on that, that he could handle the NHL. And certainly there was an adjustment going from a college-based schedule to an 82-game season. But, um, you know, it didn't take long for, for him to get going, right? I think it was, what, second or third game uh, that Wednesday night against Philadelphia scoring yep. his first career goal. And then he got two he, of them then. He got two, right? And, and the first one was ugly, and then he made up for it with a beauty on the second. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the first one came in, and I think it went off a body or something and, and went in. But anyways, and then he was off to the races from – from there so I just think he's he's such a, a big body like he just looks like a horse there's I don't there's very few people in the league that you think could legitimately um, you know kind of go tit for tat with them and battling in, in front of the net I just think he's such a such a big deal uh, or such a big horse to deal with um, and, and because of that you know it's only going to continue to grow this year so between him and you know Norris and and Batherson have the chemistry as you mentioned from from Belleville uh, there's there's just some some real opportunity here like I I do like Ottawa's top six um, quite a bit the way they're constructed right now I mean as far as the team as a whole certainly they're going to be tougher to play against but you know they got better but so did a lot of other teams around the league so it's it's going to be a challenge over the course of this year but they're they're not going to be an easy out and I just love the fact that early on in camp Kachuk said you know realistic expectations for us is to, to try to get into the playoffs he wasn't afraid to say it I just think there's a lot of guys there that you know as, as things have gone along they've been in a rebuild for a few years now they've done a lot of losing and at some point you have to say enough's enough right and and I think they've got the guys that you know aren't going to tolerate that type of losing mentality much longer Kachuk certainly won you know, we've heard Christian Willannon as another guy, Tavis Shabbat, obviously, too. And, and you go down the list from there and some older guys that have been around the league. And certainly they didn't come here um, just to coast to a, a last place finish. So another reason I think this is just such a good environment for someone like Tim Stutzla as well. And uh, that line, I think, you know, has the potential to do some some pretty good things here once they get clicking. Hope you're enjoying our chat with the natural Kyle Bukoskis. Let me tell you about Rock Auto, though, just quickly, because rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts to customers online, and they've been doing it for 20 years. When I get new parts for my car, I want to make sure it's from somewhere that I can trust. So 
like me, you can go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They put it all together in one easy to shop space. They have everything too. I'm talking engine control modules, motor oil, brake parts, tail lamps. You can even get your new carpet done there. Whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in a few easy clicks. Best part, it's delivered directly to your door. Hey, that would come in handy if you're getting a new engine, right? Can't drive to go get it. So why not have it come to you? That's why rockauto.com, part of their catalog, is so unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specification, and prices you prefer. The last point there, that's the most important because best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same whether you're a professional or just a do-it-yourselfer. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just put locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know that we sent you. Reliable protection, everything you need. It's rockauto.com. Now back to our chat with Kyle Bukoskis. Yeah, it seems like it's all up from here. Like this is... This is truly a new era for this Sense franchise. You got the the new logo, the new jerseys, a third and fifth overall pick, one of the best drafts in franchise history. Like this is a new time tendy. to turn, yeah, a new Tandy. Like there's so many new things that are exciting this year, and it's going to be interesting in the North Division. Now, Kyle, my question to you is. Shortened season, North Division, anything can happen here. If the Senators, most people have them finishing last in that division, which, I mean, is a fair statement. But if they were to finish ahead of seventh in the Canadian division, what would be the one thing that you think would be the tipping point that would lead to their success uh, and jumping a few teams in this division in the standings? Well, their their defensive play, right? Like whether it's you, you get a, a great rebound season from from Matt Murray, and they're just you no know, more sound in, in their own end, right? That's that's clearly been an issue for a while now. And and at some point, you know, you, you need your power play to, to win you some games. They were last in the league in that regard last year, right? There was so many chances where it could have helped them, and and it wound up hurting them. You know, this is a team that I don't think there were many times last year that that you could question their effort. But you know, I, DJ made the point earlier on in camp, you know, even the games that they did win, oftentimes, you know, those last 10 minutes or a third period of a game, they were hanging on for dear life just to secure two points. So, you know, this is a team that can kind of push back a little bit more now and be a little more assertive in, in the games that, that they're ahead and be able to, to put their foot down when, when the time is right. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a, a big part of, you know, what leads to, to their success. So um, that's, that's, that's what it is for me, you know, defensively, it, it needs to get better. And I think, you know, the blue line has, has improved. They're going to be tougher to, to play against. They're not going to be pushed around certainly. And if special teams can, can bail them out of some situations every now and then, I mean, you know, you look at all the best teams in the league that that's, that's what happens for them every now and then. So for, for Ottawa, that that's gotta be a huge component, obviously adding a guy like Dadanov helps in that regard. And I think some of the other offensive weapons that are starting to get a little more confident too on this team, um, I think we'll, we'll allow it too. And, and DJ said, you know, he said, let's face it, special teams and certainly the power play at certain points last year just slipped through the cracks because for them, they were worried about culture and just creating the right type of environment that they want to play in. And, you know, sometimes the, the, the power play stuff kind of fell by the wayside. It's been a much more focal point here throughout camp. So we'll see when things get rolling against Toronto, how good it looks. 
Well, it's been such a long wait. And Kyle, we really appreciate you joining us today. The last question I have for you is more general. Just one storyline throughout the North Division that you're really excited to see develop as it gets going here. It's a sprint, 56 games, 116 days, and there's going to be a lot of them. But does one in particular stick out for you? Wow, does one I know, a little it's, open it's, ended, eh? I leave you I with know. a tough one. But that's but that's the beauty, I think, of this division because there's so many things to to look at. You know, I, I just think, um, I mean, obviously Toronto garners a, a lot of headlines here, so how they handle things is is obviously going to be a a big one. But I, I just think, you know, just w- what's going to be what's going to be the level of of urgency? What's going to be the you know the compete level every night? Uh, I thought talking to Craig Simpson yesterday, he made an excellent point. You know, you effectively have, you've got to beat eight teams this year to win the Stanley cup. That's it. You've got eight teams to worry about six in your division. You've got one team. If you get that far in the conference final and then the Stanley cup final, that's all you have to game plan for all year. And for 56 games, it's just six. So how much work can you do? How much detail can you put into figuring out your opponent every night? That's going to be the big one for me because there's going to be so many adjustments and readjustments throughout the year as teams play each other nine, 10 times. Um, it's going to be fascinating to watch, right? To see a guy like Connor McDavid um, really hone in on the same six or seven goaltenders that he's going to be worried about going up against. Uh, ditto for some of the other snipe shooters across the league. And for Tim Stutzla too, um, as he gets more comfortable in playing the same teams every night, how much more confident is he going to get because of it? I think there's just so many opportunities for unpredictability to take shape here. Um, that's what really excites me about this format and this what is hopefully a, a once-in-a-lifetime season. Yeah, so hopefully, well, maybe instead of a sprint to the finish, it'll be a fight to the finish going up against that same opponent. We know hockey, an emotional game. Kyle Bukoskis, the natural. Appreciate you joining us today. Hopefully, maybe down the road here, once the season gets rolling, we can have you back and talk about some real Ottawa Senators hockey. But really appreciate you joining us. We look forward to seeing you on future Sense broadcasts here coming up. All right. My pleasure, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Stick taps to Kyle for joining us. Really appreciate it. And I wasn't saying that in jest. He is the natural. It is unbelievable. You heard it from him. 22 years old on Hockey Night in Canada. Let that sink in. Just unbelievable. Eh, Pills? Yeah, absolutely. And he he's exactly like he sounds like on TV. Like he's so polished. He's a nice guy. He's got a lot of information. And I know everyone jokes about it, but you got to comment on it. His hair at 9 a.m. for a Zoom call for an audio-only podcast was absolutely perfect (laughs) you had to ask him if he got out of bed like that yeah yeah i was hoping he said yeah like his hair is just perfectly molded like that but he said he did do some work on it before so (laughs) oh man what a great guy hopefully we get kyle back on the show but absolutely today we're going to move back to our organizational value rankings we've been going all the way from 64 now we are in the top Five. So you can go back and listen to any Locked On Senators podcast and the last segment of every show these past two, three weeks, maybe we've been counting down. We've been doing three at a time. And then more recently, we went up to four because we want to do two today and two tomorrow. So make sure to subscribe wherever you get your Locked On Senators podcast. Follow us on Twitter as well at Send Central. And now, without further ado, we've teased it enough. Number four, Jake Sanderson at Fifth overall, he is still the third highest pick in this last decade behind Stutzla and Kachuk, but overshadowed because, well, he wasn't even the highest pick in this past draft. But he had an outstanding start to his year at North Dakota, scoring that unbelievable power play goal, just looking so natural in the defensive zone, and then went on 
to the World Juniors, Pilsy. How would you summarize that World Junior performance from Jake Sanderson? Yeah, it was a really interesting World Juniors performance for him. And he got used a lot, just like we thought he would. He was a big part of that USA gold medal, Let I, may I remind you, winning team. And let's, let, yeah, let's take a look at it because I was looking at, Elite Prospects, they're one of their scouts, Mitch Brown. Also, if you haven't uh, made a subscription to Elite Prospects, highly recommend it. It's really worth the money. They do a lot of in-depth analysis on these kind of things. And Mitch Brown, he they hand-tracked these games. And he was saying that Sanderson was quiet, but effective, highlighting his transition game effectiveness. And he did have a few knocks saying that uh, Sanderson wasn't able to defend against the rush. And uh, that was a weak point. And he wasn't really excelling offensively but that's what that's what you need to expect from Sanderson at this point right like you didn't draft Sanderson to put up 50 points and be a power play specialist right he does the simple little things right over and over and over so it doesn't really stick out to you and I think he's only going to get better defensively under Brad Barry at UND over the years and if you're if you're harping on his offensive talent then you're not you're not analyzing how great his transition game is enough like he's that guy that's making that first pass i think he's going to get a lot of secondary assists from making that first pass out of the zone and setting that play up he only had two assists in this tournament but one of them was on a game-winning goal and then i believe the other one was in the gold medal game so he did show up yeah exactly so he he showed up when he needed to and he was a big part of that second half of the gold medal game when Canada finally turned on the Jets and was pressing Jake Sanderson was a big reason I mean Spencer Knight the biggest reason but he was a big reason why Canada got shut out in that game yeah it was an unreal tournament from the standpoint of being able to carry the mail as one of the youngest defensemen on this U.S. team he quickly moved from the second pair to supplanting The captain, Cam York, on the top pair for Team USA. He led all defensemen in ice time, all players in ice time, in the third period of the gold medal game. And I think that in itself tells you what kind of reliable impact player Jake Sanderson is. Absolutely. Yeah. He's the kind of guy, like, like I said, maybe he's not doing the flashy things that the fans notice, but a coach notices it for sure, because he needs someone he can trust, especially in a gold medal game when you're going up against the toughest competition in the tournament. So before I ask when he can step into the Ottawa Senators lineup, which is I'm sure what all Sens fans ultimately are hoping for, they get back on the ice January 17th against the Denver Pioneers. Now, they already played those two games coming out of the break. He has held pointless, although I watched both games and I thought he played well still. However, Denver, a big test coming up. And then beyond Penrose Cup aspirations, that's the NCHC championship, and also the national title. What are you looking for in the growth of Jake Sanderson's game? So at UND, he's going to be working, just like I said, Brad Barry is a defensive-minded coach. He's going to be working on that defense, something that Jake Sanderson is already really good at, but he's going to keep improving on that. And I want to see him getting some power play time at UND. We saw that nice goal that he had, his first college goal. I think he can do more of that if you give him the opportunities and he boosts his confidence. Like in the World Juniors, part of Mitch Brown's knocks on Sanderson were the only offense he created seemed like when the puck was kind of rattled around the boards and he was more keeping it in by just hucking it at the net rather than trying to get a good shot off or create any real chance of offense. So that's something I want to see him improve on. We even saw that in the pre-tournament game. He had that unreal assist on Cole Caulfield's goal and that was just the same where 
the puck was rimmed around and not only did he stop it, but then he made a little shake shimmy uh, against, uh, I think they were playing Russia, right? In that pre-tournament. No, it was Canada, Russia. Anyways, whoever they were playing that pre-tournament game, he, he gave him a little shake shimmy and then creeped down the half wall and was able to find Cole Caulfield for an easy kind of wraparound. And yeah, he made a nice move at the end, but that's the kind of play where not only is he good in transition, but he stops transition for the other team as well. And that's such an important skill. Yeah, exactly. And like going back to uh, EP, we really focused a lot on EP's draft guide when we were doing player profiles. And Jake Sanderson, he won multiple awards by them. Best defensive defenseman, best neutral zone defenseman, and best transition defenseman. Like those three skills are so crucial to moving the puck up the ice and stopping other teams from getting uh, in into your zone. Like it, it can't really be overstated how important that is like sure maybe there's not um easy stats to digest about that but just from the eye test like how we like to do it it's so obvious that jake sanderson is a guy that's going to shut down other teams offenses and start and create his own team's offense maybe he's not the finisher he's not the guy that's uh putting the puck in the back of the net but he's the guy that's starting everything so the big question now pills Is he going to play NHL games following this college season at the start of next season? Or is it best for him to go back to North Dakota for a sophomore season? I think you know where I'm going with this, Ross, and most people at home probably do too. Patient Pillsy. Preaching patience. Like, why why rush him? Let's. He's at UND. He's at one of the best developmental colleges in the entire system. Like, we had Rachel Dory, another EP uh, person, on the show. And she said a lot of teams, what they do, and the Senators are clearly one of these teams, is they find good college programs to get free development from. And UND, it's a professional atmosphere there. We talked to Alex Heinert, the play-by-play voice, and he said the, the approach and the way they structure their atmosphere is very pro-like. Like they eat, they're even taking charter plane or charter planes from NHL teams to go to games at points. Like this is a pro-style university college and it's going to do him so good to stay there. I say he finishes this season at UND and plays another season at UND. And then we take a look at what he can do in the pros. Brandon Piller persistently preaches patience. Say that five times fast. However, I don't think you're completely off the mark, but when every coach that's ever had him compares him to like an already mature defenseman, that's where I think that he's special in the fact that he can step in and play in the NHL right away and I don't think he's ever going to play in Belleville whether he comes out this year or next he just has this calmness to his game and you don't want to overwhelm him however I think that he's ready now whether there's a spot for him in the NHL right away or not if if it's if it's a situation where you're like okay maybe Will Landon has a great year and you have Shabbat Will Landon and then Branstrom right he steps in and DJ Smith has been very clear he wants Branstrom on the left side then, yeah, I like your your thought process. Go back for that sophomore season. However, if he wins a national title and his offense, much like it did in his draft year, comes along towards the end of the season, I don't know how you look at him and say, hey, you're you're not ready. It, it just it might not work that way. We'll see. I think this is one of the interesting storylines outside of the Senators themselves that we're going to be following this year, the growth of Jake Sanderson. 
Yeah, and and one I will admit I can uh, kind of agree with you there because Jake Sanderson does all those little things right that most young players don't do right and they need to work on, like working on transition, working on defense, working on gap control, all those kind of things. Jake Sanderson already is doing really well. So do I want him to spend the sophomore season at UND? Yes, I think we would help. But would I be shocked if, like you said, he steps into the NHL much sooner than that? No. Our next man on this list will immediately step into the NHL and it's on his goddamn birthday. Timmy superstar turns 19 tomorrow and he will celebrate with a matchup in the battle of Ontario. But before we get to his expectations, let's recap what we've seen from him at 31 points in 41 games in the DEL playing against men as a 17, 18 year old last year. How impressive is that? And he wasn't even considered a top 10 pick going into last season, but really blew the doors down, and that's continued this year. So really, his growth has been so exponential, I don't see it slowing down. I don't see it slowing down either. And it's a big deal that he spent that year in a pro league in the DEL. Like, you look at, and a little bit different situation, but you look at a guy like Austin Matthews going over to the Swiss League instead of going junior or college. And I think you could talk to him and he would tell you a lot of the benefits that that had, even though I would say the Swiss League is maybe a step under the DEL, probably pretty similar though. So I think that's that really helps you transition from being drafted to heading right into the NHL. And Timmy Stutzla, I have no problem admitting that I was wrong about my analysis of Timmy Stutzla. And I'm going to do one last synopsis here, and then we're going to move on from it. Because, again, I was heavily influenced by the EP draft rankings, and they made a lot of good points. They had him down at seventh overall, and they made a lot of good points. And from what I was seeing on short YouTube clips, so you only had so much you could watch, it, it really concerned me how... Timmy Stutzel was always trying to do too much. He was deking too many times. I, I wasn't sure his defense was there. I wasn't sure his physical presence was there. All those kinds of things. And admittedly, I was really high on Quentin Byfield. So my, my view of Timmy Stutzel was kind of skewered. And then that all changed really quickly when I saw him in game action at the World Juniors because he was much better defensively than I had thought. He was much more physical than I had thought, throwing the body around there. And he did all of that, being better defensively and better physically, all on a shortened roster. No favors were done to Team Germany coming into this tournament. They said it right from the get-go. We've got things tough. We've got our work cut out for us, but we're not making any excuses. And he was the leader of that team, the captain of that team. And he was the guy that put it in motion. Guys, we're down, but we're not out. We're here. Let's make the most of it. And that line of him, uh, JJ Paterka and Eliash was incredible. Like they were one of the top lines in the tournament on one of the worst teams in the tournament. So Timmy Stutzla, I'm fully on the Timmy Stutzla hype train. Guys, if you want to, if you want to keep making fun of me for the Stefan uh, analysis and that I was lower on him, go ahead. But that's the last time I'm talking about it. We're moving on, and Timmy Stutzla is ready for the NHL in my eyes, and we're gonna see it tomorrow night on his 19th birthday. 
You got to admit the irony is so perfect though, that he's starting his NHL career on a line with Derek Stepan. That's, that's the, unreal. That's the hockey gods just smiting me. And I hey, I, I, get, I will admit it. Like I'm not an expert scout. I'm. You could call me a two week internet scout and I wouldn't be offended. That's pretty accurate. So I'm happy to be wrong. I would be upset if I was right because I was, I was lower on him than I should have been. So I'll eat my words and they're, they're tasting real sweet right now. Okay, so I made a quick mistake. It was 34 points in 41 games in the DEL. Does he get close to that amount of points in his rookie season in the NHL? That's right around where I have him, Ross. I have him between 25 and 35 points. Remember, it's a 56-game season, <laughs> so before you start getting all crazy on me here, you got to keep that in mind. So, I and I see a lot of those points being assists. He's going to I honestly, I'd be surprised if Every or I wouldn't be surprised if every other goal Dadanov scores, Timmy Stutzla's name is attached to, whether it's a secondary or primary assist, and he's going to get a real good look on the power play. I think um, the DJ Smith maybe is going to use him in offensive uh, situations, and when Timmy Stutzla's on the power play, he's going to be dangerous and effective because he's used to having all that extra ice playing in Europe, right? So North American ice is going to be a little smaller. He's not going to have that time and space he's used to, but on the power play that helps him out a little there. So I think, yeah, we're going to see for, from my expectations, 25 to 35 points for Timmy Stutzla. Okay. Last one, just because we're still on it more or less points than Derek Stepan <laughs> this year, this year. <laughs> um. I'm, I'm going to go more honestly, because I think Derek Stepan, uh, his role is going to be kind of, mopping up the mistakes that Timmy Stutza might make, right? He's a two-way smart veteran center and he's not looking really to, to rack up the points here. Sure. It's a contract year, but he's, he's made his money. He's done well. I think he's going to want to have a good year, but I think really DJ Smith's idea getting step in with Stutza is a, they were uh, together to start before training camp. They were some of the guys that weren't able to jump on the ice right away. So there's already a connection there. And he's a, he's a guy that's going to be responsible. So I think this line of Stutzla, Stepan, and Dadnov is going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic. And let's remember Tim Stutzla winning the best forward at the World Juniors. I know you mentioned that in our chat with Kyle, but I think I said this as well. And honestly, Tim Stutzla should be collecting royalties for how much we talk about him on yeah. this show. But he has to be unconfirmed, but has to be the only player to ever win best forward at the World Juniors going minus seven in a single game. He finished the tournament minus four, however, with five goals and five assists in five games. That's a nice, easy stat line to read off. And as of tomorrow, his stat line in the National Hockey League begins and we'll be back in the morning to preview the Sens season. And no, no guess. We had Dean Brown. We had Gord Wilson. We had Kyle Bukoskis. We had Jamie McLennan. That's how you kick off a real week of NHL hockey right here on the show for Brandon Pillar. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.